Hey y'all, it's Bowen here, and this is part of a series of conversations that I'm putting out on my Substack, which is called Decide Nothing. I love having the opportunity to work on the topics that I write about with other people. And so here you'll find us exploring subjects such as what it's like to be a man, how we become who we are, how to connect with intuition and the subconscious, relationships, love, sexuality, passion, addiction, and depression, and most of all, how to become ourselves as much as possible. In this episode, I talk with Lucas Crump, CEO and co-founder of Everyman, a global community of men who come together to support one another in their personal growth. I joined Everyman a couple of years ago when I went looking for a community of men that was built from the beginning as a broad, inclusive network with the potential of reaching a large number of men on a national scale. And I've been very happy to find that it is exactly that. Today, I talk with Lucas about the chapters of life disconnecting and reconnecting with the self, what practicing in groups can do for us in terms of relational fitness, how somatic practice is what gets us grounded, how this kind of practice that starts with the body is generative and sustainable, how the love of men is a blessing of acceptance and belonging, and how that love can inform all of our other relationships and everything about the way that we live. Lucas, good morning. Great to see you. Welcome. Give me your three minutes on just who you are and how you got to where you are. Grew up in Kansas. I'm a son, a brother, partner to my fiance. It's an interesting question of, of who you are. I think if there's one thing that defines me, it's curiosity. I'm very curious about the world, about how we get to experience and live the life that, that we're given. I'm 43 years old. Um, I live in Hudson, New York, which is about two hours north of New York City. Um, I spent my 20s working and traveling overseas all over the world. I lived and worked in Africa and Asia and really spent countless hours on planes and, and wandering the world. Um, and in my early 30s, I moved to New York City and joined uh, an early stage tech company and sort of did that for a number of years before I really decided that I wanted to do something more purposeful with my time on this earth. That desire led me to every man, uh, both, you know, probably first and foremost for my own healing and growth. And it just so happened that the timing was right, that I had the ability to commit myself to my own growth. And in that process, help to shape every man in order to take the work of, of Owen Marcus, our other co-founder to the world, which is where I am today. I looked at your LinkedIn and crossed paths in a way. My previous career was a conference that I started in 2000 and sold in 2015 that was in the realm of digital media and that sort of thing. It's good to turn the page, isn't it? One experience for me in my life has been the belief around life has chapters, right? Yeah. We, we have, you know, and chapters have a beginning and they have an end. Um, yes, it's good to end things. Yeah, and, and multiple chapters ultimately make up a book. Hopefully that book is a, is a good story. Um, and so one of the drivers in my life has been, I want to have a good book at the, at the end of my life. And I want to have a lot of chapters. Yeah. I want the book to have a lot of chapters. Exactly. It's a great way to look at it. I really appreciate that model, you know, and I, I've really become more cognizant over the past several years about consciously closing chapters when it feels time to do so. And I've found great clarity and pleasure in doing that. And of course it makes space for new chapters. You got to close it, end a story to start a new one. Ending chapters isn't a bad thing, like our relationship with divorce in our current culture, as if that is a 
is a bad thing where two people get to a point and they say, you know what, we've, we've had a great life together. Now let's do something else. Why does that? Let's not make a tragedy of it necessarily. Um... Right, right. It could be something to celebrate, right? There's a level of maturity mm-hmm. and growth that comes with that, um, that knowledge and that reflection. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I appreciate it. I, I think it's absolutely, it's correct to have, you know, both sides of the, the frame on, on things and let's not make up tragedies where there doesn't necessarily, you know, not, not every end is a, is a negative thing. Not at all. Tell me, you know, there's just two, two things that come to mind when you're just talking about the you know, story leading up to every man. I mean, one is, sounds like you had a moment at some point where you really did become aware for yourself that you wanted to do something more meaningful. Just talk about that for a moment. How did that come to you in what shape and form? Yeah, it's kind of, it's quite a, a ironic. Growing up, my father, my biological father um, had bipolar. Um, so I faced the impact of, of mental health head on. My parents got divorced when I was quite young. There was a lot of, just a lot of insanity growing up, quite frankly. My mom was a single mom. There was four of us. Um, so she did whatever she could to, to make ends meet. Um, ultimately, uh, my mom uh, had the opportunity to send myself and, and my two other brothers to an all-boys Jesuit school in Kansas, in the city where I grew up. Um, and that really was my first interaction with all male uh, experiences. And, and part of our education was you know, every year we would do some sort of religious retreat. And those retreats were heavily focused on religion, but I would say spirituality. Um, and I appreciated that opportunity, that time that we got to reflect on our lives and, and to, mm. to be more real and authentic. And I was... So I was, you had some experience with this, with, with practicing reflection early on. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Um, you know, and I was always very drawn to it. And that being said, I can remember um, talking to my grandfather uh, while he was still alive and saying, well, you know, I'd like to maybe get into therapy or counseling of some sort. And he was a doctor and, you know, he was like, oh, you don't want to do that. You don't make any money. Um, mm-hmm. So he, 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 he encouraged me not to, not to take that path, you know, and the path that I did take was in more of a business focused career. And my, after college, I ended up living and working overseas. You know, the first sort of three or four years was very, very exciting. Lots of new experiences and, you know, all my friends back home and my family thought it was really interesting that I was living this, this really interesting life. Um, and, you know, for the most part, I, I was. It was it was great. I was super into it. I was, you know, for the first time I was on my own and I was getting to um, see the world. And about 25, 26, I can remember having this realization of, wow, this is really cool and awesome. And I'm getting to experience different parts of, uh, of the world. But I also know that I'm avoiding something, that I'm running away from something. I was very conscious and aware that I, there were things in my life that I didn't want to face. Um, and mm. a lot of that had to do with my my growing up my relationship with my biological father um Mm. you know my relationship with my stepfather a lot of hurt and pain that i'd experienced um and i've unconsciously and consciously i had created a situation which allowed me to avoid facing some of those traumas and some of my past sounds familiar you were doing it with travel i was yeah the same i was doing it with travel and also with drinking you know both combined 
and you know lots of and and sex and you know lots of things i did all those things and i think what happened for me was 25 26 years old i was living in bangkok thailand and mm -hmm. i became very aware that i was homesick that i was mm -hmm. wanting and needing to be back around my family like this sort of mm -hmm. adventure was awesome but at the same time i was like wow i really just want to be home with my family but mm -hmm. I couldn't reconcile with myself to allow myself to actually go home. And so what I did was I disconnected my head and my heart. I, I mm -hmm. consciously uh, figured out a way to feel less. And the further I went, the less I felt, but the more real those, those feelings were. And then I had to find different ways to to distract myself, which ultimately led me to women and sex and drinking and more adventure and more extremes um, and more work and more everything until, you know, ultimately it, it you know, it all, it all came to a head for me. Um, and there was, there was some loss and death that in, in my, in my life that, that led to that. But as I reflect back on it, it was such a clear cocktail that I was making for myself. Um, which led me to, to, you know, this sort of awakening or realization. Yeah, well, it sounds all very familiar to me in my own story, you know, and it, it reminds me of, I mean, a model, I think it comes from Jung's writing really originally and referencing the myth of the grail, you know, the grail myth. And that what he, what Jung said about that was that most men, we get a, a chance to touch it or kind of see it in our teenage years, but almost none of us get to, we forget it or we're taken away from it or we go away from it. It's usually not until our forties, <laughs> you know, essentially that we are able to get anywhere close to it again. Right. And it takes all that time to remember what we had a glimpse of so early in life, very much had the same experience. Yeah. And, you know, for me, looking back on that chapter of my life, you know, 10 years overseas, i, I I went to 80, 80 plus countries and, you know, had, did things, saw things, had experiences that have very much shaped who I am today. And despite a lot of the struggle that came with that, I wouldn't change that for any, I look back on that and think, wow, um, how lucky have I been to, to, to have the opportunity to learn those lessons. Um, and so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it away. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any part of it. Um, There's some things that I would change. <laughs> <laughs> Not about your story, but, but about mine. That, you know, that gets me to a, another question that I like to ask. Do you think it's possible to make a mistake in life? Or as you just said, I wouldn't change anything. Is it really possible to fuck it up? And if so, how? I think what immediately comes to mind is if my actions are intentionally hurting someone, whether they're intended to be malicious and or you consciously make a decision to do something which is going to impact the well-being, health of another person, I would call that a mistake. Yes, um, sure. Yeah, and you a know, crime usually, yes. In a crime in, in some instances. <laughs> Often. However, you know, if you know, if a decision or an action that one takes um, leads to a different outcome than they had expected, I wouldn't necessarily call that a mistake. That's just a different, that's just a different outcome, right? Um, you know, so I, I think it's a reframe of, oh, are all of our decisions, 
you know, conscious or unconscious, do those help us to learn and grow in some way, shape or form? Yeah, for me, there's been a middle ground or there is a realm of of error or confusion at the least. For me, that's come in when I have heard that voice inside, but not paid attention to it. Um, and as you know, you, you, you talked about purposefully going away from what it was saying, essentially, um, you know, you were, you wanted to go home and you chose not to for some time. Um, now that may have not been an error for you, but it rings a bell for me in terms of times when I have heard something speaking up from inside and ignored it. And there have been times when I have persisted in ignoring that inner voice and actually gone, you know, really far down a road um, that was, a, you know, a wrong road. <laughs> um, now, did I learn and grow from it? Is it part of my life? Was it probably inevitable? It probably was. But yeah. I, for me, it helps to, in terms of the language of things, I think of those things as those times as errors, like in, not listening to the inner voice is a mistake for me. True. Um, at the same time, not listening to the inner voice actually teaches you to listen to the inner voice. There you go. That's the, that's the irony and the paradox of it, isn't it? We have to not listen to learn to listen. <laughs> right. And I, and I think like, you know, as men, we often learn by doing right. Um, so we have to, you know, we have to fall down and we have to get back up. We have to, you know, for whatever reason, it's part of our programming. It's the process that we have to go through, especially as young men, you know, as older men, we start to look back and be like, okay, hmm, is there an actual shorter way? Uh, you know, is there a way to shortcut some of this pain and suffering, um, and be more intentional about how we do things. But, but I don't, Mm -hmm. I, I think that we have to go through that experience to get to where we are. One of the things about every man is like, I, sometimes I see these younger men that come and join every man and participate in the community. And I'm just like, I look at that. And I'm like, wow, shit, man. If I would have had half the wherewithal that you had to make this decision, like who knows where my life, I mean, I'm fine where my life is, but wow, like good for you. <laughs> I think, and I see the same thing in a lot of younger men these days. And so to me, what that shows is that, yes, you know, I agree with you that we all have to learn, you know, we all learn by doing in life and we learn to listen to our intuition by going down some of those roads and then the voice gets louder and louder, you know, and that's how we learn to better pay attention to it. But the fact, again, that as you just said, that I've also met so many younger men who seem to be more tuned in to their, you know, themselves earlier in life. It's one of the things that shows me that there are ways to practice that and get better at it earlier in life than, let's say, you and I did, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> not to totally put you in the same box, you know, that are, you know as, as myself, but, you know, we've had some similar experiences. It took me a very, very long time to feel like myself and to have mm -hmm. a clear sense of my, the voice that speaks from within me to know with some clarity what's kind of right and wrong for me um, to start turning towards home, you mm -hmm. know, w whether literally or metaphorically. What, what, do you, what else do you see in these younger men? How did they 
get there earlier? <laughs> you know, is it just better parenting or? <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I, I certainly think in the, in the in the last five years since we started Everyman, you know, twenty early twenty seventeen, you know, coming out of Me Too and everything else, there's been a a, a greater level of awareness, which then evolved into a larger sort of discussion around. But the time was an enlightening time. Absolutely. It was, it was definitely. A... I, I think it, it, as we, as we shine a light on that, it, it, it forced men to, you know, somewhat reflect on, okay, what is, how am I participating that in that in some way, shape or form, which ultimately yeah. now has led to a greater level of consciousness and awareness. Yes. Um, you know, in a, in a real shift. And I think organizations like Everyman are, are creating, you know, bridges for guys that want to have a different outcome um, than maybe, maybe guys that are older than them to, to step into that. The one thing that I have found um, and the men that I've had an opportunity to interact with is, is that men don't want to be assholes. Like we actually yeah. have feelings. We want to be good men and good people what has yeah. happened though is we haven't been necessarily given the right mentorship teaching training uh you know systems everything to enable yeah. us to do that um, but i think that men ultimately are inherently good because i think that ultimately biologically we were put on this planet to be good you know, we got off that path as a function of, of you know, society and, and, you know, culture and everything else. But ultimately, mm -hmm. at our core, we're good and we want to be good because being good men actually feels good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with you 100 percent. And I think, you know, men, want we want to be good men. And, you know, that's we want to be good people, you know, and, and yeah. I think that is intrinsic to human nature. I think that life is generative at a very basic biological level and that that carries up through, you know, all the way to the, the, the spiritual um, nature of, you know, the height of human consciousness. And so I, I do think there is, an yes, an intrinsic goodness and in that we all want to express that and that, you know, men and women both in various ways certainly as speaking as men that we have gone away from that in many ways over the course of cultural history but that with practice right that's what changes everything in life right we yeah. get good at what we do we get good at what we do everything is a practice and it brings me back to the group that you co-founded every man you know, and people often ask me, I'm sure they ask you all the time, what is every man? What is it? And what I say, what I say, if someone asks me that, or what is a men's group or men's work? I say, well, it's a place to practice. It's a place to practice. It's a place to practice relating and a place to practice being yourself. And that's, it really. And for me, you know, I've had a lot of experience with other types of group work. Um, mm -hmm. And so to me, there's nothing particularly unique about, quote, men's work. It's group work right. with right. men. And group work is a very effective way to practice relating and practice being yourself. Um, but Correct. I'd love to hear how you Correct. 
how, you know, how you describe it as well. Tell us. Yeah. I mean, one of the things is that I, I think it, it's been important for, uh, you know, every man is a bottoms up community, not a top down, you know, we, you know, uh, Owen Marcus would be the closest that we have to a, a, a top, a, a top <laughs> just to use uh, the top and bottom terminology. Yeah, exactly. But you know, for the most part, the organization is, is bottoms up and, you know, every, every man that participates and contributes to the community is a leader. He is, he has equal ownership of, of the, of the community. Um, and so, it's important for us not to necessarily have one specific definition of what every man is, because ultimately every man, mm. you know, means something different to, to every guy that participates in it. It provides him benefits in different ways that help shape his life. And so I actually really enjoy hearing from different men that have sort of a, a different definition of what it is. Um, but if you were to ask in this moment right now, what is every man? I, it is a, men's personal development and well-being community um and our focus is on providing men tools resources programs and community to practice connecting with themselves and others to enable us to live more connected fuller happier purposeful lives um i think at the core what we're doing in you know, we're pra- like, like what you said, I think of it as relational fitness, right? Mm-hmm. This idea yeah. that we can actually practice relating to one another um, with a level of intentionality. I think one of the interesting things about what we do at Everyman is we've created this very, very intentional space for men to come and actually practice showing up in a way that feels more authentic to who they are so that ultimately over time they can begin to embody that and then take that out into the real world and see the benefits that come from that. But, you know, if I I think of it as, you know, if if you were to go to therapy, for example, um, which I think is a great thing and that is a very artificial environment. It's one-on-one. Obviously the person there has a vested interest in supporting you, but you, you, that's not really, that's not really real life, right? If you, you know, so you have to take that learning and that sort of awareness that you may have, you may have gotten from one-on-one therapy and actually take it into a community and start to leverage it and practice it and try it on and see, you know, okay, how does that feel to, be, be communicate in that way or have somebody relate to me in that way. What does that feel like? What does that look like? Yeah. It, well, the two are very good adjuncts for each other. I mean, I'm certainly an advocate of therapy as well. Um, and it, you know, it's, yes, it's a more artificial, more structured environment, you know, more kind of formal and, you know, can be a great way for people to come into their, their voice and, you know, more awareness of, of themselves and, you know, really work on things. And yes, I think group work is really powerful. Group work is incredibly powerful. I I mean, for us as humans, we, you know, uh, you know, if a, if a wolf falls out of a pack, if an animal falls out of a pack, he dies, right? We are hardwired 
we are hardwired for connection. The, yes. the body that we exist in, in this moment today, hasn't had any significant genetic or physiological change uh, or, or evolutionary change in the last 10,000 years. So for the most part, we're, we're exactly as we were. Now, human beings are you know, probably the most adaptive species on earth. Um, so we've adapted to our environment and we've you know, developed um, certain skills that serve us right now. But for the most part, our original wiring you know, the original DNA of connection is what drives us. Um, I will say that I think one thing that distinguishes every man is the work of Owen Marcus to very clearly move out of kind of the esoteric, you, you know, thinking part of yes, into of the this, somatic, into the somatic and really understanding on a deeper level. Okay. What is the interplay between our our physical body, our emotional body, and our mental body, um, and how do we actually tune our sort of mental and emotional body in a way that ultimately supports our physical body? I think the emphasis that we place on that is mm-hmm. is unique to mm-hmm. what we do at Every Man. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought that in. That that's certainly been my experience. Um, that that's a very it's a powerful component of every man experience and the model and you know for me the my own my experience in my body and you know out in the physical world doing physical things is very clear and has been a big part of becoming who I am and you know and and developing my identity and my my psyche and everything what I've found in in particular, yes, in you know, in every man in Owen's practice, it's very elemental. It's very it doesn't require any, you know, movement or going outside. It's just about what you feel in your body. Talking about the internal sensations in the body gives me a way to communicate literally what I am feeling in a way that is elementally true and doesn't require any intellectual interpretation. It gives us a foundation for understanding each other that we can then build on. So I, I, I really do see the value of that, yes. The simplicity of the work that we do at Everyman ultimately, in some ways, masks the brilliance of what Owen had developed presence is something that we all struggle with especially in our in our current world where we're constantly distracted and what we're able to do once we can tap into the physical sensations in our body in this current moment that actually grounds us in the present moment continually reinforcing this skill of actually slowing down tapping into ourselves and being present in this moment because if we're present in this moment then we can actually experience everything about this moment the this conversation that i'm having with you right now and the benefit that that's providing me and the joy that i'm experiencing just seeing your face right because if i'm not present and i'm thinking about all the things that i got to do at 12 30 today it, it, it's going to rob me of that opportunity to have this experience right now. And I think that it is the most simple 
challenging thing that we are presented with in our lives. Well, that's that's the fundamental retuning offers us the opportunity to change our nervous system, you know, the way that we are wired a bit so that we can be more present. We know, we know through neuroplasticity. And the- right. And that's, you know, I'd say sort of common knowledge these days. And what that connects to for me is for so many years, I would hear people say, you know, well, you know, I want to be more grounded or that guy's really grounded. You know, it's like, I think, what is that? What does that mean? You know, it didn't mean anything to me. It was just like when someone said, trust your gut, you know, for most of my life, it didn't really mean anything to me until right. I, I found a way to that myself. And I, I, I agree with you that practices like Owen's practice, like meditation, give us an actual concrete way to get more grounded to, right. as you said, slow down and connect to the physical experience of the body. And that is the, the fundamental place where self resides. You know, there are other levels of self that build upon that all the way up into our beautiful intellectual selves and then up into the spiritual, but it begins with the sensations in the body. What I see with different types of, of men's work or personal development work is the skipping ahead to the outcome versus putting the work in at the foundational level to reconnect with your own self and your own sort of experience in your own body. What I see in a lot of men, and I know this from my own personal experience, is how disconnected we are from our bodies. You know, I always challenge people to do it. Go up to some guy and ask him how he's feeling. And if he says, okay, or good, well, neither one of those are emotions. So he's actually not. He doesn't know. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't actually know. He doesn't have the lexicon. He doesn't have the awareness. And the consciousness. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it, it just reinforces this idea that we are so disconnected from ourselves that and if we're disconnected from ourselves, like how do you build on that foundation if that foundation is shaky? You know? Yeah. yeah and it's hard to get there from the top down, you know, right. by talking <laughs> ourselves into some understanding of, you know, universal, what it means to be somebody, a person. And then how do I, you know, we can try to get down there from the intellectual realm. It usually doesn't work or it gets very esoteric. It gets very ethereal. Well, what happens is it's not, it's not embodied, right? And so if it's not embodied, it's not going to be generative. It's not going to be sustainable. It, it may work. I can give you some frameworks and some ideas and some ways that you can talk about it, but it, you're not, you're not owning that for your own self. Well, it's a great way to frame there what you said. It's not generative. It's not sustainable. It's, it's almost like, right. If we try to approach these things from the top down, from the intellectual realm, then they continue to require constant input as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, from the bottom up, from the body. I know for me, when I feel good in my body and when I am present to that, when I'm aware of it, when I'm paying attention to it, that that is generative, that it feels like energy and that that energy, you know, I feel that energy elsewhere in my life. Then I feel it intellectually. I feel it creatively. It is generative. That's really well put. Totally. And I I think, you know, for me in this very moment, I'm under a, a tremendous amount of pressure and stress. It's naive to think that, oh, I'm just going to live my life that's completely 
void of that um, because that that isn't necessarily indicative of real life. Maybe if you're a Zen monk or something, you live a monastery, in a monastery, but I think even then you would encounter different levels of stress and pressure. But what I know for sure is I am acutely aware of the fact that I am under stress and pressure right now and that it is impacting my physical body and that ultimately that is then manifesting in my relationship and how I show up in the world. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that I'm, you know, have the path to change that right now, but just simply the consciousness and awareness allows me then to take that and compartmentalize it and say, okay, this is, this is real for me in this moment. What do I do with that? How do I resource myself? And then how do I sort of travel through it to, to get to a better place? And, and asked if I didn't have any, I didn't have any awareness of that. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. And, and I, um, it sounds like you're, you're, you're going through it at the moment. So I, I, <laughs> I, I hear that coming through too. And, and, and what you just said brought up for me is that the practice of paying attention to what I feel in my body gives me the familiarity with it to be able to take those feelings as messages right. and, and not just as an all encompassing, like, Oh my God, this is happening to me. You know, I feel stressed. I feel terror. I feel fear. I feel uncertainty, confusion, whatever it is. Okay. That's true. And I can also zoom out and take that as a message as you mm -hmm. just described right i can observe that from the outside because i have some familiarity with it whereas if right. i'm totally disconnected from my body then you know my feelings are these very powerful things that just happen to me just encompass me right that take over what's going on for me i don't have a context to be able to to zoom out and kind of take them as messages well, and, and I think what you just said is very important. Take over. We're so disconnected. We haven't necessarily been trained to be aware and regulate our emotional response or escalations, right? When you're with your partner and ultimately you, you know, you disagree, like, do we have the aptitude to say, okay, in this moment right now, I can actually identify and feel that I am angry. I am angry and rather than allow for this anger to overwhelm me and come out in a way that is going to cause a mistake, as we talked about earlier, I can make a conscious decision to say, I'm angry right now. I'm going to actually walk away from this conversation. What does that anger tell me? You know, it can tell me a lot of things, but just simply the awareness and say, okay, what am I going to do with this in this moment? And, and I, I think that what happens for a lot of us is we get overwhelmed. We have this like this, this intense emotional reaction to experiences. The ways that I've been able to get more in touch with my body. I mean, that's what opened the door for me to my intuition and really to my, you know, kind of my third stage of life and my remembering that I wanted to be a writer. Um, hmm. It all came all came to me through my body. 
you know, I've been thinking and writing a lot about love over the past year in particular. Um, and, you know, we, we touched on a little bit the ways in which, you know, men have gone away or taken ourselves away from love historically, you know, over the course of, of human history, really, and certainly recent human history. Or the ways that, you know, we've screwed it up, let's say, because it's, you know, it's fair to say that we have certainly in some ways. And then for me, my personal experience more recently, you know, in the last five plus years in particular, 10 years has, you know, been of discovering really what love is. Much of that has come to me through my experiences with men, coming to know my fellow men more deeply and really developing love relationships with other men with brothers and friends. It's, it's been a beautiful thing. And I have learned so much from those love relationships that I have carried back into my romantic relationships and into really my experience of love in the world. And so the question for you is, what is your experience of love with other men in your life? And are there any flavors of love that you experience with men that come out more with men? You know, I mean, what I'm getting at is that for me, I feel that there's something that men have to bring to love that we really haven't had the opportunity to see yet in kind of in human history, or that we've gone so far away from it that we now have the opportunity to see how love can expand with what men can bring to it. I've, I've said this many times and, and, and part of it's been my own journey of discovery. And I, I truly believe that the love that is trapped in men's hearts is the most underutilized resource in the entire world. And, and in many ways, the work that we do at every man is to unlock that love and to see what is actually possible if men are able to open up their hearts to lead with love and empathy versus individualism and fear and all the other things that have that, that sort of prevent us from truly experiencing love we are heavily incentivized in our current culture to uh, acquire things, right? Whether that be uh, job titles or, or, you know, money or any of, you know, or women, we, we are, you know, we get a lot of val validation through the acquisition of things, right? What there's an interesting thing that happens in male love when we are ultimately seen as equals regardless of those things when in this in when, there's this moment where you can just look at a guy and be like i don't give a shit what you have or what you don't have i appreciate who you are and the connection that we have it provides a tremendous sense of relief because for the most part we as men spend a lot of time in this world working very hard to acquire those things so that we can show up and present ourselves in a certain way that we think that we need to present. We're used to having to, to earn our way into being. 
into into being someone um and 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 what you've just described is this i mean the word that came to me is blessing you know that that blessing of acceptance you know <laughs> maybe i'm somebody here i am somebody without having to earn some particular thing to show that i really feel like if you can put that out into the world we ultimately there's something biological that happens with us deeper down where we're attracted to that we're like wow i want to i want to run in that pack yes because that pack feels safe and and that's this i think that that is a form that 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 feeling of belonging that feeling of safety that feeling of trust that's a type of love that is particularly unique to men mm, beautiful that feels true when i start thinking about men and love to me what came is truth you know because for me what was missing was truth and you know telling each other the truth of our experience um, and reflecting the truth of my experience with you to me that's a form of love that feels of my male experience and it feels like something that's been missing and that we need to do more now is that exclusive to men of course it's not exclusive to men it's not like you know but it does if anyway truth you know for me that's a thing well it is true and i'm very straightforward you know i'm very uh, i'm very authentic and sarah's saying hey i'm i'm grateful to have meant to you you're you're a good man i trust you i love you really using the language that ultimately is true for me in that relationship regardless of how it might be interpreted because i know that for some guys they might just be like dude this guy what the fuck? What, they, you know he sounds like he's straight out of uh <laughs> you know the the woo-woo chronicles but ultimately it's it's what's true for me it's how i feel and anything less than that isn't authentic yeah well and it's not interesting either you know it's like and if we want to have real connections in the world to be interesting you know i think part of the reason that we're i don't know a lot of us feel disconnected is just because we're kind of bored we're bored with not telling the truth you know the truth is intrinsically interesting you know, I'm from Kansas. And when guys from, you know, my community and that where I grew up join every man, it's really, really powerful to me. I just feel that like you said, like, you know, from your home place, you know, that that felt powerful as you said it. Right. Every man out there has love in his heart. How do we get those guys? What comes up for me there is we're all tired of, yeah. you know, of not telling the truth. We're all tired of not loving enough we're all tired of not receiving enough love we were you know i i mean i'll speak for myself you know i was tired of not knowing what love is i was tired of being a bad guy you know in some ways in some sit you know just from not really having the practice and the examples i was tired i was tired of living that way yeah. you know and it is part of the greater malaise that is you know, that we're seeing in so many ways in our culture, um, all across, you know, locations and, and ways of living. Um, there's, there's just a lot of evidence that people, that we're unhappy, you know, that men, that people, that the men are unhappy. And it, it show. I love the way you, you said that, because if we don't have love, you just said we're unhappy. 
But ultimately, if we don't have love, we're angry. Yeah. And if we're angry, a lot there is a lot of men out there that are angry yeah. because they're not receiving love. They don't love themselves. And if they don't love themselves, then they can't receive love from their partners. And if we're if we if we're denied this nutrient yes. that we need, that we need to exist as a human being, ultimately we get angry. And that anger leaks out into the way we treat others, the way we treat our environment, the way we, you know, um, treat our colleagues, the way we operate in our community. And that's what we're seeing. It's palpable to me, certainly, just how much so many of us are, are hurting and have been for so long and how the practice of relating has unlocked what love is. You know, say it again, you know, what I've learned from connecting with other men has it's really been incredible. That was a big light bulb for me over the past few years, you know, seeing how 90% of what happens in relationship with other men is the same as what happens in relationship with women. You know, it's like, it's all there. It's all there. It's it's 90%, 92% or 87%, you know, it's all there. I mean, and, and, you know, now I like, I have love relationships with a whole bunch of men, you know, it's amazing. I never would have possibly conceived of it that way, you know, even just several years ago. For me, that's one of the real joys of, of doing this work is just observing you know, the power in these relationships and these connections and, you know, hearing about guys that are getting to experience the richness of, of what those relationships can do for us in our lives. It's, it's really, really. It's personally very fulfilling and, and rewarding. Oh, the, the, it's good to feel the uh, the richness of life, isn't it? I mean, that's all we got at the end of the day. Uh, we can't take anything with us. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it's another one of these cliches, right? You know, that like we gotta enjoy every day like it's our last, you know, and you can't take it with us, you know, that just felt empty to me because I didn't, I, I didn't know how, I, I couldn't really connect with that richness you know on a on a daily moment to moment feel it in my body basis you know i'd get to it through certain experiences through you know traveling or you know through you know success in business or you know whatever it might be but that daily feeling of fulfillment of being full of being filled up right with and of energy and and light it is love you know that energy i i know what that feels like now and yeah that's that is where it's at that's yeah, that is where it's at but we but you got to get there you got to get there and and it you know that's that is what it's all about the superpower I, like, I, I really admire you. And I think that what, you know, it's been, it's been for me, it's been a joy just to watch your own journey. And it's inspiring to just say like, okay, cool. I, I haven't learned everything. I'm willing to be open to growth. Mm, well, thank you. Yeah. It's been, uh, I mean, these past several years for me going back, you know, certainly well before we met, um, have been a, uh, a, a concerted effort and a long process for me of, of turning the page, you know, of ending one chapter and, and opening another one, 
not knowing exactly what that chapter would be, going into the unknown and very consciously doing that, actually. Now I, I find myself very much in that chapter. Well, Lucas, man, it's so great to sit with you. I, I just, I love seeing your face here and speaking with you. And I'm so glad we had the opportunity to do this. Yeah. Thanks for thinking of me. And um, it's an equal, it's a joy for me. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, I hope you're well. And thanks for taking the time this morning. Right on, brother. Take care. Be well. All right. That's it for today. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the conversation, please do share it with a friend and make sure you're subscribed at decidenothing.substack.com where all of my writing and audio lives. Hey, and most of all, if this brought something up for you, if you felt something, if you have a reaction, if you have some thoughts or suggestions about topics you'd like to see me explore in the future, just leave a comment there on the Substack site or you can also reach me by email from there as well. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you tune in again soon.